1: to episode 217 of the sources say podcast your go-to kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing ksr podcast network the source say podcast is as always presented by our good friends at justice dinner you can make an appointment at one of two lexington locations it's on wellington way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson, look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Blue Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
0: I'm fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you?
1: Hanging in there, a very uh, the, the the crossover period is here where it's football and basketball. Thankfully, we don't have to address what happened on the football field on this show. And it's a very, very good thing because uh, what's going on on the basketball court right now, Sean, is pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, a 77 52 victory over Duquesne and the uh, second game of the season, um, it was another performance where you saw a lot of good stuff from the offense. Not you know, not firing on all cylinders like we saw in game one against Howard, but still a lot to like about the offense. Plenty to like about the defense as well. Another day where uh, we get our two leading scorers, Antonio Rees and C.J. Frederick, back at it again. Back-to-back games for them to start the season. Xavier Wheeler's back. Plenty of positive takeaway, Sean. Let's just jump right in. Uh, what What did you think of Kentucky's win?
0: Uh, yeah, I thought, thought there was still a lot of good, especially those two. And we talked about that on Tuesday night, right? You asked me what I wanted to see in game two and it was consistency and you got it. You had those two Frederick and Reeves combined to make eight threes between the two of them, both back to leading scores. Uh, you had, uh, Savir Wheeler return to the floor. I thought that that was big to see him there and he, he did come off the bench and I liked the spark that he provided when he came in off the bench. With his energy and stuff and, and getting downhill, making some uh, really good plays, getting two feet in the paint, uh, kicking out to those shooters. But no, I, I thought there was a lot to like. I, I definitely, I continue to be more impressed with Ugana on Yenso. Mm-hmm. I really do. Just with his feel of the game getting there, he's further along than what I thought he was going to be. I mean, you and I know this. We didn't know if we was even going to see him play. And now he's out there rim running, blocking shots, doing other things. And, uh, I think Kentucky's getting some stuff figured out and answered. I think it was two really good games to get them going into Tuesday
1: night. Yeah, uh, let's start with kind of the biggest news of it, Xavier Wheeler, what, what you liked about Um, uh, My big takeaway with it is he he did come in and he was a spark plug off the bench and we got to see him alongside Kaysen at times and we got to see you know how that worked out well. Kaysen struggled a little bit. Uh, my big takeaway with it all was, How incredible is it that Kentucky has both of them? There's, you know, this all the talk right now that uh, is it Savir or is it Kaysen? Will Savir be the team's starting point guard or is Kaysen Wallace making a push there? Uh, And, you know, is he deserving of the the, the number one spot And, and, you know, back and forth with all that? And you like, you know, when you're, you get a new bright, shiny object, Sean, it's always kind of the, uh, oh, we gotta you know fall in love with this this kid for this reason, and he's he's special because of this. When you take a step back and you realize, Savir does things that Kaysen can't do in terms of a playmaking perspective and a pace thing uh, you know I thought Kaysen did very solid in his debut against Howard but he struggled a little bit against on ball pressure and uh, you know it wasn't a perfect performance by any means and then he struggled with turnovers again uh, against Duquesne he had four uh, but the things that Kaysen does really well Savir can't do very well I, I just in terms of you know the the, the size at six four the athleticism the you know shooting ability they complement each other very very well and I, for one, am grateful that Kentucky has both of them on the roster, and we can even have these discussions rather than, you know, Xavier still at Georgia and having to go up against him this season. And then Cason, who was supposed to be at Tennessee, you know, Tennessee was the leader for a very long time before Kentucky made that late push for him. Kentucky has both of them on their side, and uh, that's a very, very, very impressive backcourt. You know, obviously, Antonio and CJ will get to those, the the next two down, but at the point guard slash off-ball spot, Goodness gracious, those two are special. Yeah,
0: and and Tennessee probably wishes they had Kason. You know, today and uh, tough loss for them. But just talking about the the, the combination of those two, and, and me and you kind of got sucked into it as well, right? Tuesday night we're talking about this new, yeah, and for it's sure. easy to do. And and we love we love what Kason's doing. And I'm not taking anything back from what I said Tuesday night. Like you that's still. He could that's start at the thing. one.
1: He could. He could. He, now here's the not, difference.
0: Here's the difference. You can slide him to the two when you cannot slide Savir to the two. So Kaysen that. has the flexibility of staying on the floor without having to be at the one. Now, the thing with Savir, we know this there is there's risk, but there's reward with Savir with some things. He, when he's leaving his feet is when he gets himself in trouble. And I thought he only really did that maybe one time early there in the first half on mm-hmm. Friday. Some of the other plays, I thought he was excellent. And if you have them both on the floor together, you have two elite on-ball defenders that can pick up 94 feet, can kind of turn Mm -hmm. guards and kind of create some havoc and make some plays. They need them both. I'm interested, though, Sabir played a ton of minutes last year, and it was required, right? Like that backcourt had to just run itself into the ground. I'm interested to see how much better Sabir is if it's in spurts. As the season goes along, like it's not averaging 32 minutes. What if that number is more around 26 to 27? So then you have a healthier, fresher, Saber Wheeler on the floor. How much better is he suited to be in that role? If it's just four or five minutes less a game, I think maybe you keep him healthy because you're already seeing you had some injury issues already. You had it last year. I think that's the insurance that you have in having both of those guys is that you don't have to run them into the ground.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of, I think, Savier at his best is when he can go short burst because he is the yeah. quickest dude, maybe even in college, college basketball. The the dude, the the pace that he brings to the table and, and his ability to push the ball at the floor, those things, that's why he's a Bob Cousy Award finalist. That's why he's on the, the watch list going into this season because that's something that nobody else in college basketball can and do. And 11 you, assists off the bench. It's it's insane. What Savier at his best is better than... Anybody else's best in college basketball. Now his worst is uh, unfortunately just it, as you know, probably it, 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 the equivalent it, 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 of the, on the flip side, just it, 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 as bad. But that's why you have Case. That's why you bring in a guy like Case and who is a stable force, even with four turnovers. The the what he still provided elsewhere, the athleticism, the chase down block that he had, uh, the, the little things like that. It's like the, that's something that that he, nobody else can do either.
0: How about the called out of bounds set there in the first half, where he's the trigger Boundstead. man steps in and the handoff like. I like that, too. That's something you can do with him. And a big, strong guard that can get in the passing lanes, like you said, chase down blocks. Like Kaysen impacts the game to me in more ways than Sabir does. But the way Sabir impacts the game is far different than the way Kaysen impacts the game offensively. And that's why I think it's somewhere a happy medium of both opposite and then both together. So I think – and this is where, honestly, I've looked at it all weekend. I've been sitting here thinking about it. I thought about it all morning. Uh, getting kind of getting ready for this episode is the options that Cal has mm-hmm. that I think you're going to see what you're going to see Tuesday night and what you're going to see on Sunday. And those are the two games I'm kind of pulling apart here because those are the two big ones. Mm-hmm. It's not what you're going to see four weeks from now. I mean, Kentucky will have a chance to win those games and, but this isn't going to be the version of Kentucky we're going to see in December. I don't think it's going to be the version of Kentucky we see in January because I think Cal's still going to – I still think he's trying to figure some things out with the way he wants to play. And let's let's face it, you don't get it in 25, 30-point wins. Mm-hmm. You get it in situations where you're down two with four to play or you're up four with two, to, with two to play. That's where you find out about a lot of these guys and what you're wanting to do offensively. And that's where I think Cal's going to get – this is going to be answer week for Cal and this team. You're going to find out how good they are. But you're also going to find out who your guys are and what roles they need to be in. And there'll be some things look different on November 20th than what they do on November 14th.
1: Yeah, I I think two of those guys in particular that I'm really fascinated, interested to see just what they are at this level on the big stage. CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves, who uh, combined for 42 points on 14 of 25 shooting an eight for 17 from three in the season opener against Howard and then they followed it up with a combined 32 points on 10 of 18 shooting uh and uh eight of 13 from deep uh, against Duquesne those are two guys that I think are clear upgrades from who they are who they are re- replacing last season I think Antonio Reeves very well could lead this team in scoring which is fascinating considering uh, John Calipari has already said that he's going to be the microwave scorer off the bench. That's Davion Mince's replacement. If we both okay. said
0: no to that in the spring, didn't we? Remember yeah. when we were like, he's not going to average twenty points a game at Kentucky, and he's comfortable in that role right now. You can tell how comfortable he is. There was a play. I don't know. You maybe you can remember it. I. I can't, it was early in the game. I don't remember if it was Savir or Kason or someone drove baseline, kicked it out corner, and they and it was. I can't remember if it was C I think it was CJ to Antonio made the one more the extra pass but you had both yes. of those dudes buried on the other side of the floor talk about hard to defend like you're it's, it's pick your poison are you going to run at the 48% career 3 point shooter that doesn't miss or are you going to run at the other dude who's been an, a microwave since he got on campus like that is it's hard to defend
1: Yeah uh I mean and I think it, it was in transition
0: if I'm not mistaken It was
1: it, it was um yeah talking to the to the players after the game you know just what's it like being in there in practice you would talk to him after the the uh Howard game and then uh, then even after the Duquesne game because they do it they did it back to back they said that's what we see in practice every day and, and he said it's it's funny because they haven't gotten the chance to play on the same team because they've been going heads up against each other and so this is the first time that they've really gotten experience what this is like because they've been going to each other's neck to start the year and now you know in the preseason and now it's like whoa we might have something special here. And you know, I was saying earlier that that uh, Antonio is the Davion Mintz replacement. C.J. Frederick has stepped in immediately as the Kellen Grady replacement. And, and I think that's kind of – I go back to what Cal said this offseason and, and leading up to the season, even you know during the the, the exhibition slate. He wants his team to be, uh, be scoring 80 points a game, and he wants them to be shooting 25 threes a game, which he has never even eclipsed a 23-point mark uh, per game during his time at Kentucky, the closest he's gotten is 19.9 attempts from deep uh, d- during during his time here. And only one team has surpassed the 80 point scoring mark. And that was the De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Bam Adebayo team. That, that team averaged 84-ish points a game. Uh, last year's team averaged 79-ish or so. So if you're thinking in terms of individual upgrades, you know, obviously Savir and, and Oscar, essentially the same player, but Cason, I think is a slight upgrade, you know, maybe even a significant upgrade from Ty Ty. Yeah. I think Antonio is a pretty clear upgrade from Davion Mintz, and I think CJ Frederick is is emerging as a pretty clear upgrade over uh, Kellen Grady as well. And then Jacob Toppin, I think, you know, can be, you know, he's struggling right now, but I think he can be an upgrade over. Uh, over Keon Brooks, who who left for Washington, so put all those things together. Why can't this team be uh, a team that scores eighty points a game and hits that twenty five three point mark when when you have two snipers and Antonio Rees and CJ Frederick?
0: Yeah, and, and CJ led them in minutes played. He was the only guy, which that is got,
1: incredible. I mean, just the only guy that got journey, north for thirty minutes. The, considering his journey and how far he's come and and how much he's overcome, seeing him be out there as comfortable as he is and not. Overcompensating for an injury or you know, playing out of shape,
0: none of it. He was restricted three months ago in the Bahamas. There was a there was a minutes limit on him in the Bahamas. So we went into this kind of wondering, okay, like will he be ready to go for the exhibition schedule? And then will he be ready to go for the regular season schedule? And he he is. He's playing 30 minutes a game. And we said that on Tuesday. Like we were wondering, like, there was probably a point in CJ's mind where he was like, Will I ever play 30 minutes ever again in a game? And yeah. he's, he's doing it, and he's doing it at a high level. And you're seeing those numbers. play 30 minutes, one turnover, three assists, a couple rebounds, defends his position, great teammate, makes the extra pass, locked in, knows what he's doing. Like stability, consistency and stability. And I think that that's what they got in those two guys. And then you're just going to kind of let Kaysen just continue to develop. And the best of Kaysen going to come out in these big games, I think. I think you're going to see him kind of rise to the challenge here. We know he's going to take on the opposing team's best perimeter player every single game. The question will be when Kaysen's not on that opposing best player, who does Kentucky go to in that situation? Is it Sabir? I know you're giving up some size, but you do have a ball hawk there that can guard the basketball and do some things. Is it Jacob Toppin that draws the other assignment? I love love that I'm asking all these questions because that means you have options and you're not handcuffed to one or two things. Asking questions and being able to ask these things isn't a bad thing. These, These questions are good things. Cause it means you have, you have options there that Cal has.
1: Well, and, and look at a guy like Jacob Toppin, who admittedly has, has struggled. I mean, he, he has exactly. really struggled to open the year, but eight points, eight rebounds, three assists, two steals and a block. And, uh, you know, off it,
0: 11 rebounds from game one
1: in his time on the floor as well. He's doing other things well, but admittedly he's struggling. And, uh, I think it's fascinating with him in particular because I, I talked to him and you know there were some questions you uh, after the game, you know, what what are those struggles coming from? What do you think it's a product of? And he said, I'm in my own head. I'm I'm sitting here, and I think it's a conversation that we've had on the show uh, several times. That is Jacob trying to play into first round status, lottery status, or is he trying to play winning basketball? Can he be a star without putting up 15, 20 shots a game? Can he be a guy that is comfortable in that? 12.8 rebound, five assist three steal type of role where he can be a difference maker and he can be a winner, but he can be an efficient winner, an efficient different different difference maker, uh, because he's trying to shoot himself out of this cold streak right now. And uh, you know, the the foot kickers that Cal's talking about, and the you know, he's trying this, this, you know, turnaround fadeaway jumper and pull up in the mid-range and and Yeah, he's he's seeing a couple of them fall, and I think it's building up this kind of false confidence or, you know, him seeing these misses is kind of killing the confidence that he's he's built in practice because he is making these shots in practice. And that's what he told me. Uh, He was like, I I just don't get it. I'm making these shots in practice. You know, I'm I'm doing everything that I am doing in practice. I'm leading the team in, in shots and, you know, all the advanced analytics are telling me that I'm an elite player, but that's not translating to the game floor. And the fact that Kentucky's playing as well as they are right now without Toppin playing as good as as he needs to be, that it, I think adds to the just how deep this team is and how talented this team is and what the potential and, and ceiling this this team could have.
0: Yeah, and and the thing with Toppin that I think we got to factor in here: how much easier does his job get when Oscar Sheboy returns to the floor? A ton, I think. You get uh, Oscar's going to clean up and get a lot of sp- and occupy a lot of space on the offensive end, mm-hmm. which is going to open things up not only for these shooters, but you add in these shooters and Oscar Shibway going into the rim and, and taking up a body or two. And Jacob Toppin's going to be able to get some garbage buckets, I think, flying in and getting offensive rebounds of his own. And then just uh, the impact of Oscar whenever he does return, I think it helps all these guys. I think that's another interesting thing that you got to factor in here. Is we're talking about multiple guys being consistent and playing well, some guys maybe you're wanting to see more from, but it's hard to judge until you see them all out there at full strength. And that's the Kentucky that I want to see and evaluate, not the Kentucky we've kind of got to see the last, what, two to three weeks. Uh, but I like where they're at. I like that Sabir's back. I like that he's healthy. I love that he was able to step right in and do his thing and I mean, get, get to 11 assists there. I thought that was big. You got CJ and, and Antonio knocking down shots. Uh, still trying to figure out what's going to happen at that backup five spot with Lance Ware and and, and Ugo. Are, I, I, are I we? Uh, are we still trying to figure that out? Minutes, yes, but no. I think I've already figured it out. Like I, I think I have. I don't know I, if you have.
1: I just don't. I don't know how. I don't know how to keep. On On doesn't play. I don't. I. I We're I, talking I upside
0: know. here too, right? And in the ceiling, uh, he has to play.
1: Look, there are times that projects are uh, raking the leaves in the yard. Sometimes sometimes it's a four-year project, you know, you're rebuilding a car or you're, you know, do, doing things that, that takes time and effort and long, you know, a very long-term thing. Sometimes it's as simple as, uh, you know, making your bed. And I think... <laughs> Ugana Yenzo's case may be that type of project because when he came here the expectation was little to nothing of what he was going to provide he was going to be the you know a, a guy learning under Oscar Shibwe Oscar taking him under his wing and just kind of saying all right here's the college game here's how you're going to thrive you know down the road we'll get there someday um that road is here uh that the road was a driveway not a real road uh they they Uh, everything Ugo is doing on the floor right now is making me go that kid needs to be playing real minutes nine points four seven shooting ten rebounds three blocks one assist zero turnovers and he's only only one foul too so he's you know the 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 difference he's making is a shot alterer and and you know Mm -hmm. being a disruptor on that end it's he's he's doing it without fouling and he did it in you know in 19 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. it
0: was he impacted a a lot of sh- affected a lot of shots that he didn't get his hand on so exactly. only so many only what three blocks i believe is what it was yep I think went in the in, in the box score but you got to factor in two or three more shot attempts that he affected that then that then led to rebounds transition opportunities kentucky getting out and running I think he's an easy choice. I really do. And I mean I do want to see him when he gets up against the power five and he gets up against Michigan State. He gets up against Gonzaga. Like we know the challenges that's going to present. Uh there were a couple of times there where you're still seeing the the youth in the frame that still needs to add some size to it when mm-hmm. they got into his chest on a couple of baseline drives and you know your cows, he's in great position, but still kind of got backed up. But you can't teach one thing and it's length. You can't teach it. It's the one thing that as a basketball coach, you cannot teach, and he has it. I think that's why he has to play, and this needs to be a. And I, I'm interested who who gets the run the most in these two big games coming up when they're when they're called upon. Is it Lance? Is, <sighs> does he go veteran, or does he throw the rookie out there into the fire when needed?
1: I think to start with, it it probably has to be Lance just to figure out the what trust he is because right? Lance. Has he's a high floor, low ceiling guy. You know, exactly what he's going to bring to the table. He's going to be the enforcer. He's going to be the physical presence. He's going to, you know, be the, do the dirty work, you know, maybe throw an elbow do, you know, he's going to, uh, and, you know, initiate that he's going to be the enforcer that can take. And I don't know if that's what, what Ugo is. and, And that's what Cal said, what Lance does very well. Ugo struggles with, but what Ugo is elite at Lance isn't necessarily the best, although he did have four blocks uh, against Duquesne, which, you know, good, good, good for Lance. I just think in terms of, if you want this team to see its upside yeah. and hit that, that truly elite ceiling that I genuinely think that they have, I think Ugo has to be that guy because he, yeah. he's a shot alterer. He's a, a, a truly elite defender that, Will change the game for you in sh- in short spurts.
0: And you're given your, you've given yourself two opportunities to look at it against teams that could be will will be NCAA tournament teams and considered elite programs. You're not going to get those questions secured and for sure answered against Duquesne and Howard mm-hmm. or what comes after those two games. You That's that's where, I mean, basketball matters in November. We know resume matters, whether it's November 1st or it's March 1st. Your resume matters. But you want to see these guys in those moments. And I think with Lance, it's a guy that you know is going to be in the right spot 99% of the time. He's going to always do his job, and he's going to do it well, whatever that role is. But what gives you the most upside projecting long-term? Is it to get – Ugo ready for that spot. You need both. You're yeah, going to need yeah. both. There's going to be games where I think Lance is going to get it, and there's going to be games where I think Onyenso is going to get it. So I, I'm interested. I just I just want to see. I want to see how they react. I want to see what he. I want to see what Ugo looks like in a big moment. All of college basketball watching. You're the primetime time spot. It's Kentucky, Michigan State, Izzo, Cal. I want to see it.
1: I mean. Think of his journey and how he got here. I mean, this is a kid that arrived in America in January, got to campus late August, and there's a very significant chance that by the Champions Classic on Tuesday against Michigan State and college basketball's premier event that Ugana Onyenso could be Kentucky's starting center if Oscar Chibwe is out. And that it's not something that you look at that matchup and go, Oh crap! Kentucky screwed. Like you think of it and go, oh, I'm ready for that challenge. I'm ready to. I'm ready to see what what Ugo is going to do when when that challenge presents itself. And that's going to be growing. That's pains. a luxury. Yeah, and
0: there's and going to be growing pains. There is. But and, and that's where it's kind of the you're looking at. And this is Cal. He's going to watch plenty of tape, I'm sure, going into Tuesday, and then figure out what is best and what's best for not just his team, but what's best for both of those two individually. You have a guy in Lance who's been in your program now 3 years. But then you have a guy in Uganda that I think just each time I turn on the tape from first exhibit from Blue White game to first exhibition to Friday night, you see improvement. You see a guy that's getting more comfortable and you see a guy who just has some elite athleticism on the defensive end that can do things that no one else on your roster can do. And there's a role for that. You can if you can find one thing to be elite at especially for a John Calipari team, if it's playing defense, not as much shooting. You can't, John Calipari, there's no, I just don't think there's a pigeonholed shooter that really fits what Cal's doing. You got to be able to do the other things. Like if CJ Frederick could just shoot the ball, we'd be having another situation where it was Dante Allen again.
1: Well, I was going to say that that kid's playing in Bowling Green right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, that's where I'm saying on the defensive end though, you do that one thing, you play.
1: And, and I go back to everything, all the hints that Cal has given all offseason, the last several weeks, especially all the random. You, you, you know what what uh, versions of my teams were the best? You know when my team uh, when when we competed for national titles and and when when we were firing on all cylinders. What was the con- the consistent between all of those teams? And every single time, shot blocking. It's it, it's shot blocking. Why was he saying that? The timing the timing adds up to where it was okay we saw what Ugo was and how quickly he's grasping Cal every time there's a microphone in front of his face says he learned so quickly his basketball IQ is is second to none you only have to tell him something one time and he goes okay got it coach I, I got it I'll I'll adjust next time I'll, I'll make this happen on the next time I think there's a reason for all of it. The, the, every time Cal says what he does, all the talk about his best teams having shot blocking presence, all of that stuff, I think, is adding up and building toward Ugo having a significant role in this team.
0: I think so too. And it, Millie wants to have a role in this team. She's jumping in my lap as we're talking <laughs> here. But if you see me looking around, but I'll say this this is a puzzle piece with this team. You mentioned Cal's elite teams at Kentucky and what they could do, mm-hmm. it was the rim protection. But here's what that rim protection allows you to do. It allows guys like Casey Wallace and Xavier Wheeler to pressure the basketball and overplay and just go all out not worry about getting – when you have three or four guys guarding the perimeter that they don't have in the back of their mind, oh, crap, if I get beat, we're giving up a basket. Sometimes getting beat funnels it right into that length, and then Kentucky's off and running with, keep in mind, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, and then you got the rim running – your bigs. I mean, you've got, I I like it. I like, I I see the pieces. Now I just want to see them come together. Get Oscar Shibway back. And I I really like the makeup of this team. I just, I have more confidence and I know it's only two games and a couple of exhibitions. I already just have more confidence in what this team can do than what the team last year could do. And we know last year's peak was good enough to win a national championship when they peaked. If that tournament would have been played late January, early February, Kentucky's cutting down the nets. Yeah. When does this team peak? Uh, You don't want it to peak too soon, but the reason I don't think they do is because they got some young guys that – an Ugo, a Cason Wallace, a Chris Livingston. They've got some guys that are going to develop and continue to get better and better as the season goes along, and I just think that this is a team that's built to succeed.
1: Well, you know, look at a guy like Chris Livingston. Five points, two of seven shooting, seven rebounds, uh, one turnover, one steal, 19 minutes. I thought he did a lot of really good stuff, and Cal singled him out after the game. As a guy who who made a pretty significant you know impact and 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 it's those guys Adu Thero who played 14 minutes in the first game. Cal said after the game he's like, man, it sucks. I wish I was able to get a do in this game. But when you got Savir back, you know you could tell Cal's like, I'm trying. Like I'm trying to figure out what the what the perfect recipe is. But the fact that you have 11 scholarship players that are playable. And you know, if if you get a savvy wheeler rolled ankle or you know Antonio Reeves gets banged up or what you know, whatever the case is, and it will happen. You you have a complementary piece to replace them. I mean, shoot, look at us, look at this team right now. They got down to eight scholarship players to open the regular season and they go out and play as, as efficiently. And, and I mean, you would you would have no idea that the team was missing its national player of the year. And it's and it's, you know, uh, uh, Bob Cousy Award finalist at point guard to the, the two most important positions on the floor. Kentucky was missing its starters and they still absolutely steamrolled Howard and played as, as well as they did.
0: And, and this is the team that looks connected on the defensive end of the floor. With communication. There was a a couple of plays there early in the game where when Savir went in, there was a back screen. It was an automatic switch. And then they knew it. And Savir got switched off on a big. And then there was a play in transition where Savir took a big, took a rim runner. And then as soon as the ball was reversed, you had, had, I think it was Ugo and Savir instantly communicating and switching and, and getting exactly the matchup that they wanted once they stopped transition. This is a team that I do think can be elite on both ends of the floor. And I think you're gonna. It's going to show up in Ken Palm throughout the entire year. I think they're going to be right there in that top twenty, probably possibly top ten in both categories from wire to wire. And I think that that's going to be the sign of one of the elite teams in college basketball. But not only is this team going to be good at running the floor offensively in transition, I think that this team's also going to be an excellent defensive transition team right. with some of the quickness that they have and some of these guards. You got Kaysen. You to me, you got guys that can chase down and get some blocks like Jacob Top and Casein showed it the other night. I think this can be an elite defensive transition team and an elite offensive transition team. So uh I'm excited about it.
1: We uh you, you bring up the Ken Palm. I just looked at the updated numbers after a, a full week of college basketball. Number three in adjusted offense and number two in adjusted defense and number one in America by a significant margin. I mean, yeah, by by two both. full by two full points that are she was with no oscar sheetway or damien collins uh we're we're gonna make this one a a little bit shorter and and you know because it's gonna be a busy week we have some recruiting news to get to um on monday and then obviously the champions classic is on tuesday so we're gonna be rapid firing this week uh leading up to you know the big gonzaga trip that i'll be leaving wednesday for that i'm gonna take a couple days of vacation and do that so uh, it's gonna be a very busy week so we'll keep this one uh, a little bit short um Oscar Shibway, does he play against Michigan State? The impact uh, of potentially missing him. Um, and then Damien Collins, Kentucky, is expected to get him back uh, after the passing of his father. Um, yes or no for for both of them and uh, the impact that both of them or neither of them will will make it depending on if they, their availability.
0: I mean, anytime you take on a team like Michigan State and you don't have the reigning national player of the year, I think you're kind of put into a tough situation mm-hmm. because then it is all dependent on Lance and Ugo. And are they ready for that moment? So, I don't know. I I think Kentucky needs Oscar to have its best shot to win that game. But then again, the way that they're shooting the basketball, you could see them kind of overcoming that possibly if they're really good offensively. Mm-hmm. You well, definitely need him next Sunday.
1: Absolutely, that's that's that's, that's the, that's much
0: the much. big one to me. That's the one where you need him. You get both these wins, and you're. I mean, you're already building probably the best resume to this point and a resume that's going to be hard to be matched when you add in what they're going to get in the league and what they're going to get in December and and even into January with the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But I I do think you need one of these. If you ask me which one I want, it's the one on Sunday.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Michigan State, I, I think, is they have the physicality, they have the you know, they they have the ability to muck things up and, and I think be they, disruptive. they they I I think that's where they will have the advantage, but I just don't think their guard their guard Not play. Enough. Will be able to compete with what Kentucky has, and and I think our you know our scoring is is going to just overwhelm them. They'll, they'll be able to muck things up, and they'll be able to you know you know make it ugly at times. But I just think when push comes to shove, the scoring and shooting on this Kentucky team is just going to be way too much well, to overcome, and it, it could get out of hand. I, I would not be shocked if they go in there and make get and get a, and pull out a statement win before this, kind of an ugly one next full, Sunday. Is
0: this full strength Kentucky, or
1: I think I, I think as is I, I think. Okay. If if Oscar is out, I think Cal gets more creative with the guards, and we could see a savier case in CJ Antonio with a Jacob or a uh, uh Damien or an Ugo. I mean, shoot, throw Ugo in there or even a Lance is kind of the physical and, you know, physical you know, presence down low and let the guards rock out. This is a team that you can let the guards rock out a little bit and and you know show off what what they Do their do to their their best, you know, overcompensate with the physicality and you know their front court presence with you know our elite back court presence.
0: And this is an event that Kentucky's got a two game losing streak in right now. They lost to Kansas two years ago, lost to Duke a year ago. Like you want to start off well, beat Michigan State, regroup, finish the week out, and then uh, get a big road win. Well, road win, neutral site, but road win on the road at Gonzaga. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think Kentucky wins. Mm -hmm. But you're always going to say it'd be easier if you could plug in number 34. Because he builds builds in so many points and he takes out so many points for the other team because there's just balls that he comes up with that no one else can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's get out of here with this. Big news expected on Monday. DJ Wagner expected to sign, uh, and Kentucky is the overwhelming favorite there. Uh, just real quickly, uh, Sean, what would DJ Wagner's addition mean for Kentucky going into next season, uh, and kind of rounding out the super class that John Calipari's built for 2023?
0: It gives Kentucky and John Calipari an opportunity to flex before they ever even get on the floor Tuesday night. If that's if that's the way it goes, because. The class that's already been putting been pieced together with uh, Reed when it first happened, the commitment now signed. And you, you get Rob Dillingham. You get Justin Edwards. I mean, you're. I mean, Brett. I mean, you're, it's just across the board. There's no dead spot with this class. You're not looking to go. Oh, there's a. There's a need. There's a need. There's a need. No, this is. Uh, this is a class that, when it's all said and done, and could be a lot sooner rather than later, it's getting Kentucky basketball back to being the cool school again and we and we know that this class when it comes to overall like we're talking talent there's been better classes across college basketball with talented players but Kentucky to keep in mind is getting the best of the best in this class and
1: stockpiling it it's uh it's going to be a lot of fun i like the the way they they complement each other i like you, you get a, a star at every position and um it, it's going to be a good yeah. one I'm, I'm excited to see it close out
0: and for a moment we brought up the topic does DJ is it Louisville? Is it somewhere else? And that was short lived. Mm-hmm. And now you look where Kentucky's at, and it was one of those things that we always felt like Cal would, Cal wouldn't lose this one. Mm-hmm. There was just there was too much on the line. I never, there was, I never. There was, too mu- there was too much. There was too much trust built decades ago for the for him to lose this one. History tells us where this one was going.
1: We will find out officially Monday. Very much looking forward to that. Sean, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work?
0: You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry.
1: Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim, KSR. Reach out to me via email. JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Packed Sources Say Podcast. We will see you then.